Amen. And with that good word ringing in our ear, we come to God's good word again for our second reading. And the final chapter in our sermon series in 2 Timothy chapter 4 today, starting in the first verse. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, extort, and complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to to suit their own passions. And will turn away from the listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. In verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it so that I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. We have heard throughout 2 Timothy to guard this good deposit, to guard our hearts even in suffering, to continue in the gospel and guard, as we read last week, guard the truth. And now we are reminded to guard this message. The power of this good word that God has been at work doing for us since the creation of the world. We have heard in 2 Timothy these weeks and again this day, and if this letter wasn't interrupted by chapter headings or breaks, we would see the continuation of the authority of the Scriptures that we heard in chapter 3 now quickly leads to taking that authority and preaching it. And carrying the message to treasure this good gift and not abandon not one bit of this sweet gospel gift that God has for us. You know what we like to do with gifts, though, right? One of the busiest shopping days of the year is the day after Christmas. When we take all those gifts back so we can get what we really wanted. Because we like what we like and we like to be in control. 
And so we find out in verse 3 of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, that a gift, a glorious gift, a gift like Eve just described, quickly gets returned, exchanged, exchanged for a gift of their own fashion. One translation puts it that that there are those heaping on their own teachers. That we have an itching ear disease. An itching ear disease that was true then in the first century and it's true now in 2018. It isn't enough that we just receive this good gift from the God who loved us, who created us, who's been working through all of creation and throughout human history to redeem us. But we want it our way. We'd like to exchange it and tweak it just so it fits for what we'd like to have it say. To have what our ears want to hear instead of the authoritative Word of God. We see this temptation to exchange this good gift for something else in every human endeavor. We like it our way, and we shouldn't be surprised. As I said, it's been going on since Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were like, I want that. And I don't think God really meant this when he said that. No, surely he would want me to have this. And the fall of humanity began. But God was gracious even then. He didn't give them what they deserved, which was death. As he cast them out of the garden so that they could have life, and life for what? So, as Ed Clowney, the seminary professor, put it, so that Christ would redeem him. That means that every human event, even the darkest hours, some of which we heard about today, things that God hates, God allowed so that he could redeem human hearts. Every story we read in the Bible, everything that's happened since then, God has been about His redemptive plan for humans to restore us to a relationship with God. That is His heart for us. But we're so quick to want to exchange that gift. I was speaking to someone who it's close to me who used to be a Christian who's walked away from the faith because as they described to me the, the biblical description of human sexuality and of marriage is just too antiquated. And when we got into conversation, it wasn't that he didn't believe that there are guardrails, that there are right and wrong. It's that he wanted to decide what they were. And the thing is, we don't get to make that list. The one who started human history gets to make that list. The one who's been coming after us to redeem us gets to make that list. What God demands, it is true, we can't do. But what God demands, we can't ignore either. And this conflict that we feel in our hearts, 
can only be resolved in Christ. And so Paul's letter is telling us, don't exchange the truth for a lie. Don't exchange this gift. Don't exchange this message for something else because it's God's heart for us. We say in our baptismal liturgy, a prayer for parents after a baptism so that they would be stirred and continuing in their faith so that they could spend eternity with their children. It's that kind of heart so that we could be one with God, so that we could be together. We cannot attain this gift through works. We cannot attain this gift through ignoring the law. It only comes through Christ. I like how Timothy Keller says it. He says, The gospel says you are more sinful than you ever dared. You are more sinful than you ever dared believe and more accepted than you ever dared hope. And so we dare not remove one word of this truth and say we don't need that redemption because we desperately do. Only Christ can resolve this conflict. Only Christ can come into the dark corners of human conflicts like he did for Eve and his family after the devastation of the genocide and bring hope. And so let's not exchange this gift for anything else than what God, who loves us and who's pouring it out for us. So Paul says, in chains, in jail, towards the end of his life, this guy that God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament, now these, his final words for us from the Holy Spirit, give us five imperatives, five imperative words, five commands to not forget. He says, preach the word, not my word, not your word, but his word. Preach the word. And when do we preach the word? He says to do it to be prepared in in season or out of season, when it's convenient or inconvenient, when it's comfortable or uncomfortable, when it's received or rejected. We are called to bring this message to a world who is hurting, who is broken, to need, who needs to hear this love of Christ Jesus. And we shouldn't exchange any part of it for our own list. We should bring only the word that God gives us. And that word brings life. We can find inside and outside the church teachers that will create a word of their own making. Paul warns us about that. He even gets personal about it. Naming names. How would you like to be listed in the word like that? It's personal. And so he is telling Timothy to keep sharing this good message. But it's more than that. He's telling you and me to receive this gift and then to share it. What are you teaching your kids? What are you sharing with your neighbors? 
Are you exchanging this gift or are you telling it in its purity? When Paul talks about pouring himself out, he's, the real offering is the Lamb of Christ. It's an image of what has been done. An image of wine being poured out after a sacrifice. An image of his life reflecting Christ. Our lives now are called to reflect Christ. But it's not by my strength. As we go through this text together, one of my concerns has been that you would think, oh, I just need to try harder. And that's not it at all. It's that we need to attach ourselves with the one who can complete this work, with God's own Son, Jesus. And when we cling to Him and hold on to Him, we remember that God is faithful. Again, I quote Timothy Keller when he says, sometimes we think that the gospel is lived, you know, outside, in. We, what we do on the outside transforms our heart. But no. He says, it's inside out. What God does on the inside of our hearts by the power of Christ is what transforms us to be transformed on the outside and then to go and share this message. And so we are called to guard this good deposit, to guard our hearts even in suffering, to guard the truth, and to guard this message with these five imperatives. Now last week I told you about how sometimes even in the church we will try to dismiss this gift. We'll try to ignore what God demands and we miss what Christ has come to resolve. We heard that in Dr. William Evans who was ripping pages out of the Bible to show us that we lose the gospel power when we do that. Another story that echoes that comes from the book Walk On by Ben Malcolm. He tells the story of becoming a walk-on player with the then national champions USC Trojans. Now he was just covering the beat. He was a student news reporter covering the football team. He thought it'd be an interesting story to see what it was like for these walk-ons to try out for this competitive national winning team. So he tried out so he could write a story. He was pretty shocked when he found out that he made the team. And during his years in college, he'd come to grow in his knowledge of the Lord and deepen in his walk with Christ. And so he, he thought, God must want me to use this opportunity to be an evangelist, to share the word. He met all kinds of hardships. Success was not one of them. He did not get to enjoy success in those years, in that year of being on the team. In fact, he thought, well, maybe God wants me to start a Bible study. So he makes flyers for all 100 team members, passes them out, schedules a room. On the appointed day, no one shows up. But that must be not what God wanted, he thinks. So he starts a prayer group. Prints a hundred flyers, goes and hands them out to each of his teammates. And on the appointed day, no one shows up. 
He is trying to be faithful with the opportunity that God has given him. He is trying to share the gospel and its purity and its truth. And he just keeps running into wall after wall. And so, he has this idea. He thinks it's of God. He he feels sure of it. And so, he buys a Bible for every team member. And as they're about to go to the Rose Bowl to compete that year, they get a day off from practice, Christmas Day. And so, on Christmas Eve, he goes in late at night to the locker room and puts a Bible in every locker. He's more giddy the day after Christmas when he comes back to find out what God is doing with this word than he was on the day of Christmas that year. And as he walks into the locker room, his jaw drops that next day when he sees pages of the Bible strewn through the floor of the locker room like snow. It was as if every Bible had been ripped apart. And he is devastated. You see, God tells us it will not be easy to bear this truth. But we cannot drive ourselves off of the cliff by making our own guardrails. We must maintain the guardrails that God has given us in his word and bring it to Christ who can be the only hope for humanity the only hope that can solve and resolve this crisis. We need to be prepared to preach, correct, rebuke, and encourage this beautiful gift, this beautiful gift told to us by Eve today that transformed so many in his community. We need to be prepared because God who loves us since the beginning of creation and is coming after us, is faithful. It wasn't until five years after that incident in the USC locker room, after going to the Rose Bowl and so much life in between that he found out something about those Bibles. He was volunteering, going for some training at a youth ministry in Seattle area. And he ran into, of all people, the punter that was on that team. And the punter said to him as they were reminiscing and realizing they were both Christians, hey, do you remember those Bibles that someone put in our lockers? Uh, Still too burned from the incident, Ben said, "Uh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. He said, well, you know, our kicker, you know our kicker, he... He died just a week after the Rose Bowl. We were late. We were heading out of practice for the last ones in there. And he actually had his Bible that he'd received. And he asked me about it. He said, have you ever had one of these before? This is the first Bible I'd ever seen. Do you know anything about it? Now, the punter at the time was, had grown up as a Christian, but had kind of walked away from his faith. But the Holy Spirit, in that moment, called and convicted him to be an evangelist. And so he brought that kicker through the Holy Scriptures. And he came to Christ only a week, as it turns out, before he died. God is working to redeem his people. 
from the beginning of history until today. And He's inviting Timothy and He's inviting you and me to receive this good gift, not a part of it, but all of it. And then as He works on the inside of our hearts, then He wants to then work on the outside as we share it with the world and do the work of an evangelist and don't keep it to ourselves. Friends, we want to be able to say with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And we say that not by our own power. Even Paul says it's not about celebrating him or what he has done. It's about celebrating what Christ has done and is doing in him and through him and in you and in through you. And so he ends with these words in verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. It's the Lord's work. And bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. Guarding the good deposit. Guarding our hearts. Guarding the truth. And guarding this message so that we can say and hear with Paul this promise to Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.